Welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great show for you. We're going to talk a little about soybean seed treatments. But even if you don't raise soybeans, a lot of these same seed treatments can and will be used on many other crops. As always, if you'd like to call in during the show, our phone lines will be open and we'd love to take your phone call if you've got any questions for us or anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so before we get to the soybean seed treatments, we have gotten a lot of questions about flooding lately. So everything from, hey, it's happening in my area, to, boy, just how are you guys doing in your area? So I'll just fill you in real quick here. Last week we had three inches of rain in about a 24-hour period, which is very unusual at this time of year. And that rain fell on top of feet of snow. And normally it's not a bad thing unless the ground is frozen and you have several feet of snow on top of it that are about to melt, adding to the three inches that's going to run off. So it was the strangest thing. I don't think I've ever seen this in my life where we had flooding, but the river was not flooding. It's just that all that rain came and all the snow came, and so it ponded up everywhere. So we had lakes everywhere, but the river wasn't even at flood stage. It was just bizarre. So anyway, now a lot of those ponds, lakes, uh, all that stuff is gone. Our little streams have all gone down. So around here, you know, most of the bad stuff that happened last week, you can't notice it anymore, especially now that the, I just saw Darren uh, this afternoon here, the road grader went past on our township road. So that's great. So now those gullies and washouts, uh, they're gone again. So it won't be, won't be long and we'll be back to normal as far as that goes. But there is a lot of snow to the north of us and that's melting yet. And so unfortunately our river is going to flood. It won't be the worst of all time, but it'll be close. And so even though right now uh, things are looking better, things are going to look a little worse here in just a few days, just on the river bottom ground. But at least most of the ground, snow's gone. And I'm really hopeful, like on our farm, we are going to be planting on time. And on time means starting around the 10th of April, 15th of April to really get rolling on lots of acres. I always like getting going on the first day that crop insurance allows if we can, if the grounds fit, just so we test everything out. You know how it is where you work through the winter and you say, oh, yep, I think the planter's ready to go. And you get out there on day one, you go, oh, I guess we weren't quite ready to go. I got to make this adjustment and that change. And this is a little different. And everything just takes more time. Then you get into the flow of it a few days later, and then you get more acres done every single day. So Anyway, I also am a huge believer in planting early, if we can, if the ground is fit, uh, early planting almost always pays in our geography. So that's just a little bit about how we're sitting right here where we're at. We farm in southeast South Dakota. I, I, If you would have told me, though, a week and a half ago, oh, yeah, all your snow is going to be gone in a week and a half, I'd have said, you're crazy. There's not a chance in the world that's going to happen. But here we are, and in our fields, all the snow will be gone by this weekend. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. We've got a, we actually have a chance to be planting on time, and I never thought that a week and a half ago. 
Well, certainly not in every field. Uh, I know the fields right along the river are not going in on time, but when you think about stuff up on the hilly ground or things that are that are uh, in a little better drainage situation, you're right. Part of the farm, for sure, a good part of our farm would be able to uh, to get going earlier if we have favorable weather here coming up. All right, let's talk a little about soybean seed treatments. Let me begin by saying we're going to have roughly 35 treatments on the soybeans we will plant this year. And you're probably going to say, what? You mean three or two, five, three, two, five. No, I mean 35. So 30, <laughs> roughly 35 treatments. I don't even know the exact number, but I, uh, without doing the math here, but we can do the math a little bit. So we are going to put on basically a package that's got three fungicides. We might even go to a package with four fungicides. Okay, so I'm going to have three or four fungicides. I'm a huge believer in fungicide. When you're planting early, you need disease protection. In our geography, we're always wet in the spring, always, always, always wet in the spring. We always have some disease present. And I'm not saying that fungicide always pays, but I am always, I am saying that always there is a likelihood that it could pay. And that's really what we're after. We have to look at the average over time. Is fungicide paying? In our geography, yes, it absolutely does on soybeans. So three to four fungicides. Now, we also use insecticide. Insecticide doesn't always pay either. We just have had a lot of problem with bean leaf beetles, with soybean aphids. And yes, you're not going to kill all your soybean aphids with a seed treatment insecticide, but you will absolutely reduce the numbers. And sometimes that's the difference between spraying and not spraying. Also, with the seed treatment we're getting, we get up to two free resprays if we do have to spray for insects. So that's awesome. Plus, I mentioned bean leaf beetle and soybean aphids, but how about grasshoppers? How about cutworms? There are a number of other insects that we can impact. We can reduce the issues that we're going to have with them when we've got this, this seed treatment insecticide on there. Okay, then we are enormous believers in inoculant. You, If you're planting soybeans, you need inoculant, period. We also like having an extender with it just so in case we don't get the beans in the ground that day, we plant them a few days later, we still have a lot of the inoculant there. That's a good thing. On top of that, we use a bunch of biologicals. In the past, you've heard us talk a lot about quick roots, huge believers in that. That's been great. This year, we're going to be running a lot more with heat shield and NutriCycle. So we've got a lot of different bacteria and fungi in these products. NutriCycle, I think, is 24, if I remember right off the top of my head, different uh, microbes. And heat shield is four different fungi. So we've got a lot of stuff that we're putting on that seed. Now, one of the problems that you may run into if you're putting this much stuff on the seed or if your seed dealer is putting this much stuff in on the seed is dry down. You have to have great dry down. The trouble is a lot of farmers here want to plant their soybeans relatively early. And even if they want to plant mid-May, which would not be super early, well, even in mid-May, the average nighttime temperature is going to be down near freezing. Not at freezing, but pretty close. So think about when you're out there treating seed early in the morning and it's 35, 40 degrees. Okay, we don't have heat. There's a lot of humidity out there. How are we going to get this stuff to dry on? So you want to make sure you're finding a good combination so you don't have that clumpiness. You don't have bridging in your planter. Yeah, those are certainly big things. I mean, having a great seed treatment is one thing, but being able to plant it is a whole nother. We'll talk about both of those issues coming up today. White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? 
Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit HeadsUpST.com. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact-Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact-Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to Buy2Save3.com for details. Buy2Save3 is a service mark and Impact-Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact-Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about soybean seed treatments, taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Got Darren McDuffie with us right now with Valent. Darren, how you doing? Oh, great. Good afternoon. You know, we're talking about seed treatments, and certainly uh, Valent is a big player in this market, and I, I don't even know where you want to start, Dare. We don't have enough time to get through all the different things that you're working on, but uh, what, what are some of the exciting things that you're talking about to growers for uh, for soybean seed treatments this year? Well, I think a big topic right now is um, seed treatment nematicides. You, you see the adoption of those products uh, generally in, increasing, Um a lot of people are learning more about soybean cyst nematode, and I think a little bit of what's driving that is that the genetic um, portion of your seed that we've been relying on is starting to show a few cracks. So I think people are trying to, you know, take care of those cracks with also having a seed treatment nematicide. You know, we're getting a lot of questions there about new traits like uh, like the Enlist E3 trait, for example. And uh, I, I was just talking to a grower down in the south, and he's like, man, I can't find an Enlist number that has root-knot nematode protection. And in the Extend trait, they've only got a few decent ones with good root-knot protection. Uh, is is that something uh, that that's hitting your radar too? And, and what are you seeing with root-knot nematode and, and some of the other pests as well? Well, we have some great uh, root-knot nematode data from our product, Aveo EZ. Um, obviously, that, that, uh, that can be a problem in both uh, corn or soybeans. And um, um, I have seen that. And so I, I'm not on the seed side, but sometimes when you do have those new technologies coming out, 
some of the ancillary things like, you know, the disease protection, the nematode protection can drop off a little bit, especially in a new year's product introduction. So it is a good idea to bolster your uh, seed with getting a good combination of fungicides for disease protection and also something like a VOEZ nematicide to take care of SCN, root knot, reniform, um, any of the nematodes that you might run into. You know, when you think about this, Brian is talking about all the different types of products that growers are putting on seed these days. What about compatibility? When you start adding a nematicide on, does it change things in terms of other products you can mix with? Well, it does. There there are some just uh, physical characteristics that you have to deal with. Um, some of the products out there have really, really high use rates. Um, we are very fortunate in that our product is put on at about uh, 0.1 fluid ounce per unit. So, you know, that's not really going to change your treating operation when you're adding such a limited volume. But that is something that you do want to think about, um, whether that's just a simple jar compatibility test when you're talking about at the treater. Um, that, that might be what you want to do. But as far as the compatibility of the products on the seed, if you get them on there, they should work out well together. Yeah, are there big changes this year with neonic-type seed treatments, fungicides, and so forth that we should be aware of? You know what? I don't think there are yet. Um, that is what everyone is looking for, is the next um, insecticide that has all the great characteristics of the neonics without the um, baggage associated with them. So I do think that those will be coming, um, but that might be two, three, four years down the road. So right now, the neonics are your best bet against, you know, um, Quilton is really good against below-ground pests, the ones that really have the ability to knock your stand out and, and um, have some significant uh, significant effects that, that aren't just feeding of um, leaves. So I think right now, if you're looking for insect protection, it's neonics, but we are hot on the trail of something new, and I'm sure everyone else is as well. Outstanding. I've been talking with Darren McDuffie with Valent Dare. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Oh, thank you. We've got Meredith Van Sambeek right now with us uh, with Arista. Meredith, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful in yourselves. Well, you know what? Uh, we're surviving the flooding here in eastern South Dakota, but I'm, I'm sure there's lots of guys that have it much worse than we do. But I'm thinking about these wet soils, Meredith, and I know we're going to have some disease problems out there early this year, uh, especially on the soybean side. We've got some protection things that could help us out. What, what do you see in making a difference for farmers? Well, the biggest the biggest thing is always, like you said, the the cold, wet conditions putting into the soil. We always want to plant as early as conceivably possible, so we need that protection from the Pythium, Fusarium, Rhizoctonia type of thing. But one other thing I want people to remember is there's a lot of this seed that was infested with Phomopsis last fall, and so you actually want to have a product like an Ipconazole that does a really nice job of seed sanitation to help improve the establishment of those uh, seedlings as they start to uh, emerge out of the soil. You know, there was a lot of press about this, Meredith, and it, it happened over the winter, and it's several months before guys are going to be planting soybeans. You're right. We don't want to forget about that. There were a lot of challenges last fall with some of the seed production acres that, that led to uh, some germ problems on certain lots. Now, some of that's being helped out by putting on a fungicide on the seed treatment, but not every fungicide is the same. What's what's different with Epconazole that, that it's doing the job on Phomopsis? It just has such a broad spectrum uh, ability to control a lot of different diseases, and the Phomopsis is very susceptible to that Epconazole molecule. 
As a matter of fact, you know, the two products that seem to work the best on uh, seed sanitation is Ipconazole and TBZ. And the nice thing is uh, Ipconazole is, is very strong when you put it in the soil as well. So you kind of get uh, two birds with one stone by getting the right level of Ipconazole as early as possible on that seed. You cut down that germination lowering effect of uh, Fomopsis and then you still have a product that works really well on Rhizoc and Fusarium out in the soil once you get that product planted. You know, I, I'm glad you're pointing out that there's some differences here that we really need to be aware of as growers because, I don't know, I talk to a lot of other farmers, Meredith, that, that say, well, I can get a complete seed, quote-unquote, complete seed treatment from this seed dealer or from that seed dealer or from this company or that company, but they're not all the same. There's quite a bit of difference between them. There definitely is, and, and that's the whole problem. A lot of times that grower um, doesn't know what he's really buying. I mean, when they're buying herbicide, they generally have a pretty good idea what the effect they're going to have. But Well, and we can you know, see it. We can see it post-emerge, too, Meredith. We can see, oh, we burned down that weed or we didn't, but we don't always see the disease that's happening around our root system or the, the bugs, the secondary insects that are attacking our seed or young seedling. Yeah, and then, like I said, the farmer a lot of times doesn't get to make that choice uh, the retailer, a lot of times, is applying those chemistries for him in, in, in town, and and basically they're trusting the guy that sold him the seed to make those decisions, and sometimes that guy's making the decision based on his checkbook more than the agronomics of what that seed treatment, the active ingredients that are in there, can do for that customer as far as protecting its stand and enhancing yield at the time of harvest. Yeah, there there are some big differences. And then I think about, and one of the things uh, uh, that we were talking about earlier is just how the flowability is with those seed treatments. I, I've talked to a number of our neighbors. I've talked to a number of other farmers around the country that say, man, uh, I, I tried a couple different seed treatments. It's amazing. One flowed really well through my planter. Another one I had trouble with. Well, and that's very true. I mean, most of a lot of the products that we put together do not require a polymer. Polymers tend to uh, add stickiness to a seed, and as a net result, changes the flowability through those planters. So you want to make sure that you've got a product that, number one, goes on well at the treater, but number two, doesn't uh, reduce the flow or the planter accuracy when you're putting it in the ground because it ultimately comes down to what's the right uh, number of plants per acre that establish and ultimately become yield potential down the road. There's a lot of things to watch when it comes to soybean seed treatments. Uh, I've been talking with Meredith Van Sambeek here about uh, some of the different things out on the market today. And the big watch out, Meredith, just one more time, was Fomopsis. Can you, can you say that one more time for us? Really, Fomopsis is basically an infection of that seed, and it reduces the stand establishment. It's hard to say it improves germination, but sometimes when you take a and then do a germ test on a lot of seed and it does 65, and then you go in and treat it with a quality product like Ipconazole, and all of a sudden you're running 85 or 90 percent germ, uh, there's just a lot more chances of having a good, healthy uh, group of plants come out of that uh, result. And you can actually take some lots of seed that wouldn't be marketable, and especially some of these uh, newer hybrids where you want as much production as possible. It's nice to be able to get those available for that customer to plant and yeah. not have to throw it away just because of low germination. Yep, yeah, that's for sure, especially on those new things. Hey, Meredith, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. All right, thank you, and you guys have a wonderful day and stay dry. That is a challenge this time of year, trying to stay dry, but we'll, uh, we'll talk about how to keep that seed safe as well coming up right after this. Stay tuned.
No secrets here, we all know, regardless of the markets, balanced crop nutrition pays. Agro-liquid fertilizers have the research, technology, and products you need to grow a great crop. We also have an outstanding team of field agronomists ready to help you determine the best use of your fertilizer dollar. Agro-liquid can help you maximize your yield potential effectively and economically. Visit agroliquid.com to find a dealer near you. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. One year it could be moisture stress, another pythium or nematodes. So you need your soybeans to rise ready for whatever the season holds. Now one simple decision provides coverage on four fronts. The Acceleron portfolio, fungicides, insecticides, bioenhancers, and an industry-leading nematicide that strikes where nematodes attack. This season, rise stronger with Acceleron seed treatment products. Learn more at acceleronsas.com slash rise ready. Performance may vary. It's important to use proper PPE when handling treated seed. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. We're talking about soybean seed treatments. There's a lot of new products coming on the market, and and this is another one of those areas of agriculture that if you just say, well, I'm going to push cruise control, I'm going to do the same thing that I did last year or the year before, you're probably missing out on some of the new things that are coming uh, both this year and in the near future, in the next couple of years. Got Dale Ireland with us right now, uh, who's with Syngenta. Dale, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Tell you what, you got a fun job right now with new products coming and uh, a lot of different offerings for farmers. It's it's pretty exciting. Well, you know, that's really the case. Whenever there's something new and exciting and better than what's currently on the market, it's always fun to talk about it. 
Well, and that's what we're looking for because we're trying to take yields forward. And and I know growers think, well, the seed companies will, will keep breeding better genetics. And, and to some some degree that's true, but we've got to protect those genetics out there in the field as well. And we've got a lot of challenges that, frankly, we need more help on. So when we talk about new stuff, what, what are you working on, Dale, and, and what should farmers know? Well, you know, I really want to reinforce what you just said, and that is uh, we always like to start with genetic, uh, you know, good, strong genetics, uh, and there's good resistance, a variable amount of resistance to SDS. So we certainly um, believe that uh, protecting against SDS is important with your genetics, but we also have a new seed treatment that's powered by a Depidin fungicide that uh, we expect to have registration here in the third quarter uh, under the brand name of Sultro. So it's not going to be registered for 2019 use, but it will be ready for the 2020 growing season. We're very excited because it brings a new level of SDS protection to the current marketplace. Yeah, that's been a a big one. And we look at a lot of these areas this year, chances are we're going to have some wet soils, maybe a little cool. And my brother's already talking about, I want to get in early in some of these fields if we can. Those are all factors that could make SDS even worse. Well, that's really true because typically when we see bad SDS, we've started that year off with cooler water conditions and it slows early growth and increases the amount of fusarium infection early. So you definitely need good solid protection. Yeah, I like having another mode of action, too. When we look at at the fungicides that are being put on our seed, we're seeing more and more of the industry coming with multiple modes of action, just like we are uh, foliar as well, to to try to protect against resistance from diseases and also just to do a better job on our seed and get higher yields. Well, it's true. Now, I will say that Saltro has the same mode of action, actually, as the current leading competitor, but its activity gram for gram is the highest that we've ever tested, the intrinsic activity of this molecule adepidant. So it's a new level of protection. And uh, when you combine that with genetic resistance, uh, we really feel like Saltro is going to be a great addition to the toolbox in managing SDS. We got into the nematode discussion a little bit earlier, and we've gotten a lot of feedback from around the country about, hey, you talk about soybean cyst nematode. We've also got root knot nematode and other nematodes out there. How big an issue is this getting to be? No, that's really true. I mean, there are some uh, in in the SDS side of things that say that SDS is merely a, a symptom of a larger issue, and that is SCN that's out of control. Um, we've depended a lot on our genetics to uh, protect against soybean cyst nematode. And because it opens up that root mass and stresses the plant, that allows a greater SDS infection to occur given the right environmental conditions. I mean, you know that environmental conditions through the growing season is a large trigger whether how bad SDS is going to be that season. Absolutely, yeah. And I like another thing you said there too, Dale, that when you have one stress, it really opens up the plant to another and makes it even tougher and and causes more yield loss. Yeah, there, there's just a lot of things. Well, Dale, thanks for uh, for sharing a little bit about Saltro and what's coming up, not for this season, but for 2020. But it's never too early to start learning and, uh, and watching some of the trials that are out there this year uh, to get fired up for having another option. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, we will have some Saltro demos out across the countryside this year and in limited size because it is pre-commercial. It does have very strong activity on SDS. 
and across all the important nematodes for the soybean grower. So thanks for your time today. You bet. Thanks a lot, Dale. Really appreciate it. Uh, i got Justin Clark with us right now. He's with BASF. Uh, Justin, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, you know, we're talking soybean seed treatments, and it's a thing that for farmers, a lot of farmers I talk to, they'll say, well, my dealer kind of decides on this. And for for Brian and me, we want to get the education out so growers understand, okay, what are in these different components? What should I be asking for in my soybean seed treatment? So let me start there. What should growers be asking their retailers for that are putting on the seed treatment for them? What should they be requesting? Yeah, I think it starts, you know, where they're at. As Dale was talking about earlier, you know, with in those high-pressure SDS sites, you should really be going and asking for a product like Alevo to protect against SDS, have that good season-long control. But also you need a good base fungicide package to control that that wide range of diseases that you see in your crop every year. Things like Pythium, Phytophthora, and also your Rhizoctonias as well. Yeah, the, the disease spectrum is one that it isn't a big issue every year, but on average, it really is a big issue that we need to address on our farm. We just don't always know if we're going to get 80 degrees and the beans are going to pop up tomorrow or, hey, we're going to have that cold snap or that rainy spell and they're going to sit there longer and give those diseases more of a chance. Is there a way for farmers to kind of predict which which piece of the seed treatment package is going to work better for them or are you just better off covering all your bases? Yeah, you know, you're really you're really better off covering all your bases because, uh, as we know, the weather can turn quick, and if it turns uh, dry and warm, right, that puts you at more risk to a pathogen like Rhizoctonia, where if it stays cool and wet on you, you really need that protection from uh, your Pythium and Phytophthora. So that's where you would need a different type of fungicide, right? So having a good broad-spectrum fungicide out there with multiple modes of action, as you said earlier, and again, having that that uh, key component for something like SDS and uh, soybean cyst nematode as well. If you've got uh, soybean cyst issues in your field, a product like Alevo, that uh, that industry leading compound, uh, you know, will help you have that season long control and efficacy of, uh, against SDS and also uh, those major soybean uh, nematodes out there. Now, Justin, you know, about having a, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know kind of as you talk about having a broad spectrum uh, fungicide out there, we're actually going to be launching a new uh, base fungicide package in that 2020 growing season uh, later this uh, fall, going to be called Obvious Plus, the new four-way mode of action to really protect against all those pathogens that a grower will run up against, whether it's, you know, those common seed decays and seed rots that you'll run up against that are really triggered from poor quality seed from the previous year, or, you know, uh, Pythium and Phytophthora, and also your Rhizoctonium infusarium. Uh, the package that we've put together in Obvious Plus, you know, powered by uh, S500, that same uh, molecule that's been in headline fungicide for years, and then also our new Xenia molecule to provide that systemic disease protection to get that crop up and established early and provide that longer-term disease control is what we're really excited about to bring to the market. You know, we've used those products as an infurrow treatment as well. Is that growing, uh, is that market growing as well, or are more farmers just sticking to uh, fungicides on the seed treatment? You know, we've seen it, uh, definitely in geographies that that's been a growing uh, trend in, in places. But yeah, now growers can get these compounds on their seed, right? So you can go to your local retailer and request 
uh, obvious plus, and you can get that S500 molecule and xenium through this obvious plus formulation for that good longer-term uh, disease control. Yeah, another new exciting package coming out for the 2020 season. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff coming in the market, and, and we're really excited about that. It's one of the reasons we wanted to talk about soybean seed treatments today. been visiting with Justin Clark here with BASF. Justin, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much. Brian, we mentioned uh, multiple modes of action here, and I think in almost everything we talk about, multiple effective modes of action is really important. Yeah, it really is. It's just unfortunate that we have one effective mode of action when we start talking about seed treatment, insecticides. That's concerning to me going forward today. Everything's fine, but we've got to find more in the future. We're talking about soybean seed treatments on the show today. Also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Graze on Next herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Graze on Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstars.com to learn more about Graze on Next. Always read and follow label directions. In farming, there's a lot of variables out of our control. Don't let fertility be one of them. Let the experts at AgroLiquid move you closer to your bullseye. It's true, AgroLiquid fertilizers are formulated to keep nutrients available to your crop, and they have unmatched compatibility with other nutrients and crop protection products, which makes application more efficient than ever. But we also have the best people in the field ready to talk about your operation, your goals. Go to agroliquid.com to move you closer to your target. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success. Like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. High yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. 
Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about soybean seed treatments. I got a friend AJ Holman with us right now with Bear. AJ, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing well, Darren. How are you doing? Well, we're doing quite well. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about with soybean seed treatments. Where do you want to start? Well, you tell me. I mean, there's a lot of um, kind of things as 2019 growing season is shaping up that I think a lot of growers out there need to be well aware of. Um, I think one of the most common topics that I get into a lot of conversations around today is soybean seed quality. And I think across the industry, we're looking at lower numbers than we definitely would like to. And so I think the importance of having a seed treatment on our soybeans, uh, it's not going to add, it's not going to improve your seed quality. But I think the important thing that what seed treatment is going to do for you is going to protect what seed quality you have out there in the field. When you're going from, say, 90% to 85%, for instance, putting that out in your field, you want to ensure that you maximize the potential of every seed that goes into the ground. And a seed treatment can do that, covering you on a variety of different fronts. Obviously, there are fungicides there that can protect against different diseases. I mean, pythium and rhizoctonia, those are diseases that tend to thrive in cooler and moist conditions. And we're all very well aware of what's going on across the upper Midwest especially. So when those farmers are able to get to their field, you know, I think there's an increased chance that they may be going into a, a wetter, cooler condition than they would ideally like. So, again, having a fungicide on there that protects against those two diseases in particular that I just brought up can be very important. Again, those being Pythium and Rhizoctonia, having a fungicide that protects against those will help maximize your chances of a successful harvest season. You know, in addition to fungicides, there's insecticides, too. Um, so within Acceleron portfolio, we offer imidacloprid, which protects against uh, uh, nine soybean pests, including bean leaf beetle and soybean aphids. And the important call out here is you're not just protecting against those bugs necessarily, but those bugs, the two that I just referenced, they can also transmit additional diseases later on in the season. Bean leaf beetle, for instance, they can transmit uh, the bean pod model virus. Uh, soybean aphids have also been known to transmit soybean mosaic virus. So while you're putting an insecticide on there, you're covering yourself against that pest, but you're also covering yourself from the additional diseases that those pests can carry. And you know, and the need to have to come back out, AJ. The, the other thing is just from a time standpoint, if you can do that at planting, not take any more time at all, but now you don't have to come back with that early insecticide application when bean leaf beetles come or, or some other pests like that, that's fantastic. Undoubtedly, there's definitely a convenience factor there to saving yourself the time and hassle of making that additional pass over the field. You know, most guys I know are not big fans of making that additional pass. If they don't have to, they're not going to. So going with two-in-one, a fungicide and an insecticide at, at seed treatment um, can be really beneficial. All right. How about bioenhancers? We're getting a lot of questions about that. Uh, can you talk about that market a little bit? 
Absolutely. So I talked a lot of already about fungicides and insecticides. I look at that as being the defense of seed treatment. Uh, as I look at some of these biologicals and what we refer to as bioenhancers, I look at taking that seed and really going on the offensive. You know, a lot of these biologicals that folks are using today have that rhizobia there to help increase the nodulation of soybeans in season. But something that's unique to us and exclusive to our Acceleron offering is also providing an LCO in addition to that rhizobia. Uh, and that'll help with a couple things. That'll increase your mycorrhizal colonization, which essentially at the end of the day will increase your overall um, root mass, making you more available to grab onto essential nutrients and moisture throughout the season. But some recent studies that we've seen with having the LCO on there, in addition to the rhizobia, can actually increase the rate of nodulation, ensuring that that soybean crop gets off to as healthy of a jump start as possible. All right. I can't let you go without uh, hearing just a little bit about nematicides. Uh, obviously, you're doing a lot of work in that field, too. What What do you see in there, and what should growers look for? Well, I think we as an industry are starting to learn more. We're starting to research and, and see more about the the yield that nematodes rob from us across the countryside. Obviously, we're aware of soybean cyst nematodes probably more so than we are with other species such as lesion, root knot, lance, et cetera. The list goes on. Uh, but we're really excited here in 2019, as you know, to be launching Nemastrike technology. Um, this is a, 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 a synthetic chemistry that actually stays in the root zone where nematodes attack. I mean, a nematodes in and of themselves are pretty elusive little creatures because they're invisible for the most part. They're below the, the, the soil surface, so we don't see them on a regular basis. The, the symptomology of nematodes can often be associated with other things that we as growers see on a quite regular basis. Uh, you know, we see some yellowing in our crop. We think, well, that's a deficiency of nutrient of some sort. Or we see some wilting. We think maybe that's drought stress. When really, at the end of the day, it could be the nematodes feeding on our roots, uh, piercing that, again, might cause secondary issues later down the season. So protecting against those nematodes, which a in and of themselves, it's estimated they rob uh, 10% yields year over year. Uh, I know about every grower out there that I talk to would love to have an additional 10% grain in their bins. So having a protection against those really tough nematodes in certain geographies can be beneficial at the end of the season. So with a great tool like Nemastrike technology, you're staying in the root zone where those nematodes attack. The other thing is, though, you're controlling those nematodes for up to 75 days. And nematodes, like I say, are a little bit like rabbits in the sense that the reproductive cycle of these nematodes is very quick. So by having 75-day control, you're able to, to kill two, possibly three life cycles of those nematodes at the beginning of that crop's life, helping, again, that soybean get off to as best a start as possible. That's a lot of information there to absorb, AJ, and there is a lot going on in the soybean seed industry. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and sharing all that with us. Hey, thanks for giving me the time, guys. You bet. All right, Brian, uh, starting to get some questions in. Some of these around soybean seed treatments as well. Anything you want to add before we dive into the mailbag? No, I, I think we pretty much covered it. it it's, I, I, I just say this. When we talk about seed treatments, I realize that you may say, you know what, I want to cut expenses on my farm this year. But one of the things that my dad told me going through the 1980s, he said, Brian, what ended up happening is a lot of people wanted to cut expenses and they cut expenses. All right. But the problem is they cut some things that were making them money. And then that really pushed them the wrong direction. And we don't want that. 
times are tough right now. We can't afford to cut things that are making us money. So I'm not saying that soybean seed treatment always makes you money. But what I am saying is you need to take a hard look at this and say, look, on average, will this make me money? Do I have a good chance for it to make me money this year? And then also, when I mentioned in the first segment of the show, we're going to have 35 different things on our seed. That gives me 35 chances for success. Quite frankly, for what we're spending, I only really need one, maybe two of the 35 things to hit. Okay, So if I only have one thing out there, if I literally put one fungicide on, or all I do is inoculant, or all I do is one biological, uh, okay, I, I've got one chance to, to hit, but with all the things I've got, I can have a whole bunch of different things out there for protection. And then if just, you know, whatever, the weather turns against me, a certain bug shows up I wasn't counting on. I mean, there are a lot of things that can happen out there. And I'm just saying the more things you have, the better chance you have for success as long as you aren't paying so much. So a lot of people are spending 15 bucks an acre or 15 bucks per unit for seed treatment for maybe three fungicides and an insecticide, but I'm getting 35 things on my seed for 15 bucks. And so for that kind of money, I start doing the math and it's like, yeah, I got a pretty good chance. And so with our research, what we found is when I've got all those things, I just have, I hate to use the word consistency. (laughs) There's nothing consistent about farming, but I, I would tell you, it gives us a better chance for success each year when I have a lot of different treatments on that seed. So again, the thing that I'd encourage you to do is if you are putting a lot of things on that seed, just make sure you found a good combination that will dry on that seed well, because you can't have bridging, you can't have clumps in that seed. That's a real problem. No, plantability is really, really important. And then as as was mentioned uh, throughout the show today, protecting every single seed out there is really important with what you're investing in that seed uh, today. I mean, it's way different than when we were just pulling seed out of the bin and it was worth $5 a bushel. Now, in a lot of cases, we're spending $50 a unit or more for seeds. So we've got to keep it safe. We'll be right back with your calls and questions after this. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. Increase your productivity with Hypro's dual react control system. The dual nozzle body design allows you to drive at the speed you want while maintaining the rate and droplet size you need. Hypro, helping you spray better. Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more. 
Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy Two Save Three are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. You know what's convenient? If you're a soybean grower, what's convenient is Zidua Pro Herbicide. That's because you get fast and complete burndown together with up to two weeks longer residual than other herbicides and three sites of action for broad-spectrum weed control plus built-in resistance management. All in one convenient jug. And that turns out to be very inconvenient for pigweed, water hemp, and mare's tail. Contact your local BASF rep today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. With the success of the Case IH Tiger Quad Track and Magnum Road Track tractors, it's no secret why Case IH is the leader of the track. So it wasn't surprising when the competition started imitating us. Because Case IH offered the first five axle design to give you more power to the ground with less berming and compaction, all to help you be more productive. Still, we're flattered. In fact, if we weren't already red, we'd be blushing. To learn more, visit caseih.com tracks. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are in the Ag PhD mailbag time. You can join us with a phone call, 844-44-AG-PHD, or an email, radio at agphd.com. You can even find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty, or Darren Hefty. Brandon sent us an email. He said, uh, on our farm this year, we're looking at trying out either Quick Roots or Myco Gold Mycorrhiza. I've heard you talk about some Quick Roots before, but curious what your thoughts are on this mycorrhizal fungi. If you've had any luck with this type of treatment, uh, appreciate your advice. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Yeah, we have done some stuff with, uh, with mycorrhizae fungi. And, you know, this is one of the things, Brian, that could be a real opportunity this year, especially for these flooded acres where anytime we have flooded ground like that, we've essentially killed a lot of bacteria out in the soil, a lot of microbes that could help our crop, if not all of them. So getting them started again and getting them jump started by putting some of these um, biological or natural type products out there can definitely help. Yeah, it can. I, I I get concerned about the mycorrhiza thing just because there have been a lot of people that have tried that stuff in the past, and it's difficult for mycorrhiza to survive in soil. So I would just say, you know, there are some providers that have been able to get that figured out. I know we've done some work and some testing on mycoapply endoprime, for example. Okay, I, I get that, but I'm just saying be a little bit cautious on, on what you're doing and which ones you're picking. We are huge supporters and believers in 
biological-type products, or as we like to refer to them, natural products. There are things that already exist in our environment. We just have found where they provide benefits. And if you use them in those cases, then it absolutely can work in many situations. But we always encourage you, try them on a small scale first and go from there. All right, get get a, a multi-pronged question here. This one's from Gordon, and he said, my wife and I attended Neil Kinsey's agronomy conference that you hosted. We really appreciated that and enjoyed it. He said, uh, long story short, I'm wondering how much should we accept what Neil shared with us as the gospel truth? I know not everybody, including other Ph.D. agronomists and university experts, are on board, especially with his base saturation approach. Uh, Is there scientific evidence to prove it? How much of this uh, do you follow? Almost everything that he—I thought we just talked about this two days ago. I thought we had that exact question. But anyway, I I, I would just say— we are big believers in what Neil talks about because we've done it on our own farm. And if you if you aren't on board with base saturation potassium levels, for example, then you probably haven't done enough research on it because we have for 20 years and we have just found, hey, if your base saturation K levels are low, you have less chance for success. Now, to prove this out, one of the things that we started doing this last fall and one of the things I would encourage you to do is take soil tests and then match those soil test numbers up to yield data. So in other words, you probably have a yield map. You probably have a map of exactly where a GPS location of where you pulled that soil test. Now, I hope you didn't ramble or or wander around five acres to pull a soil test for a five-acre grid. I hope you pulled it within about a five-foot uh, radius. As long as you did that, now you have data from that point, and then pull the yield data from that point, and you can just manually do this. That's all we did. And when we did that, then we charted that all out. And basically, it's showing, hey, if we're below 4% base saturation K, we have a problem. It also showed us, for example, if we got higher boron levels, we had more yield. Okay, so I, I need to know nothing about soils or nutrients, but if I have data that's showing from my farm, the more boron, the more yield, I'm not stupid. I'm going to put more boron on That's the kind of data that you need. And I'm just saying you can do that probably already with stuff you have on your farm. Do that, and that will guide you. And pretty soon you will see a lot of the things Neil talks about come true. Another thing was magnesium levels. He really wants them at, on heavy soil anyway, 12% roughly on his test, which might, or it might be 13% on your test or 14, depending on how people figure base saturation. But the point is we have some soils where it's 25 or 30% magnesium. And you can see right on the, uh, right in our yield data, the lower I get my magnesium, if it's 25, my yield is down. If it's 20, my yield is up a little bit. If it's down to 15, my yield is higher. Here again, I need to know nothing about soils. I've got data that tells me do something to get that adjusted. And as I do, my yield goes up. All right. Thanks for the thanks for the question and thanks for coming to the seminar. I really appreciate that. I went from Michael here in East Central Illinois, and he said, in light of soybean prices today, we decided to raise a large portion of non-GMO soybeans to uh, to try and make some more profit. Our biggest challenge, though, is we've got some water hemp and we've got a little bit of mare's tail, but we had used the Extend soybeans for several years, and we've been using Resicor in corn, and 
we pretty much cleaned the fields up. So here's what we were thinking about doing this year in these non-GMO soybeans. Just curious what your thought is. First of all, burn down should be done ASAP. Uh, we want to get that out of the way so we've got plenty of time before planting. 32 ounces of Prowl H2O, 12 ounces of 2,4-D, and 22 ounces of PowerMax. Uh, along the way here, could you give me any suggestions about changing the program? Well, first of all, uh, let's start with that burndown program, then I'll get into the pre-emerge, post-emerge. We really aren't big fans of 240 and the burndown, but only 12 ounces, Brian, and doing it in March when you're not going to be planting for quite a while afterwards. Uh, do you have any issue with that if you've got a long window in between? I don't know. Do you? I'm just nervous about it just because we've seen issues before. And I, I guess my feeling is if I want to use 240, I'm going to do it in the fall. And I'm going to put it out with a fall program. Uh, that way I can burn down things like mare's tail, for example. But right. uh, if you don't need it for anything that's up, then great, leave it out. But I'm assuming you're putting it in there because you do need it. Uh, if it's just, well, hey, it's weeds roundup controls, but I'm trying to do it faster, then I'd rather use AIM rather than 240. Then there's no issue about rotation or, or, or any fear of that. Or increase the roundup rate. You know, what, what do you say for roundup rate? Uh, 22 ounces. Yeah, right. So you can run 64 ounces, you know, and 64 ounces doesn't cost a whole lot of money. So I'm just saying if there is a weed that you want to burn down faster or more effectively that's not Roundup resistant, just bump the Roundup rate. But, you know, we, we talk so much about 2,4-D and dicamba in burn downs, but we really want that in front of enlist or extend crops. You know, the, the, the appropriate herbicide tolerant crop. Otherwise, in front of soybeans, we just we worry. And the problem today is we can't take lots of risk. We can't have a disaster. We don't have plenty of extra money to, to go on. You know what I mean? I, I, our margins right. are really thin. So why put something out that could well, cause a problem? And here's the other side of that is Michael says, now we're wet here and we're wet here right now. If the window to spray this 2,4-D and Prowl gets cut short, and we don't feel like we have even 7 to 10 days to wait for that 2,4-D window to lapse, uh, does that change things? Absolutely it does. There's no chance in the world I'm putting 2,4-D out within a week or 10 days when Here, I'm planting. Here's the other thing. We talk about labels quite often. Okay, the label, I get it. That's the law, and the company, for the most part, many times will stand behind that. But how do you know if you had slight loss? So where we talk about this more than anything is rotational restrictions. We do a lot of work in North Dakota, in southern Canada. Okay, compare that to Arkansas or Alabama, for example. <laughs> All right. The difference in heat, the difference in moisture, the difference in soil type, those things are enormous. So am I really looking at, okay, there's a rotational restriction that's exactly the same, whether I'm in North Dakota or Arkansas, am I doing, am I treating it the same? No possible chance. You got to use your head in addition to just looking at what the label says. And it's the same type of deal with this 2,4-D and dicamba stuff. I realize I know what the label says. And it might say a couple weeks in advance you can do these things. Okay, well, what happens if during those couple of weeks it's below freezing every single night, you don't have sunlight, you don't have rainfall? It, are you really breaking it down or are you not? Okay, so then let's talk the pre-emerge 
Uh, he's using Sonic, Boundary, and Power Max. Now, the Sonic has Authority and First Rate. The Boundary has Metallochlora and Metribuzin and your Power Max. You could do that. That's fine. And then post-emerge, uh, Anthem, Anthem Max, which, which has Anthem, Flex Star, and then something for Volunteer Corn. But you can, sure, you can sure do that program. We do it a little bit different on the the pre-emerge or that that pre-program but you've already got some prowl out there so i think you've got a lot of different modes of action there i think you Lots. can do okay yep yep I, li- I like the program other than the 240 michael uh thanks for sending that in really appreciate that good luck with your planting this spring thanks to everybody who called or, or wrote in with questions today and thanks to you for listening be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio